0: Follow me, darling. You can tell them, if you like, that I've been most anywhere, that fighting was in evidence. I fought for the French against the Spanish, and the Spanish against the French. I learned my seamanship in the Dutch Navy. But having had adventure enough in six years to last me six lives, I came here, hung up the sword and picked up the lantern.
1: Became a man of peace and not of war. A healer, not a slayer. And that I'm going to be as long as I'm on top of the sword and not under it.
2: Alright folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 231, I think. And today we're going to be talking about a buccaneer pirate classic from yesteryear, and it's called Captain Blood. This great and fantastic film stars the uh, dashing Errol Flynn and the absolutely gorgeous Olivia de Havilland i am your host steve michaels and joining me is my very good and dear friend ken baccalaureate regalis rex roni
0: i am so glad we're doing this because as i have said before i really get into movies that are set back in the golden age of flouncing and mincing
2: (laughs) well done very well played uh didn't see that coming, but as soon as you started your intro, I'm like, oh boy, I know where this is going. Very, yeah, there was a lot of flouncing and mincing in this too.
0: Yeah, flouncing and mincing, guys in, with lace collars yep. and silk stockings
2: and all that. Yeah, silk stockings are very popular. back. Uh, all right, folks, our very good and dear friend, uh, uh, Jeff, don't throw me overboard. Muncie is unavailable tonight. Uh, we just found out today he actually has other friends than the three of us. So he's out hanging out with uh, this other person who uh, he's cast us off to the side for, but that's okay. We still like. Him. I thought
1: there was a Proudfoot family reunion this weekend or something.
2: I, you know, it could have been. It might have been a Proudfoot family reunion. He didn't say. You know,
1: maybe the maybe the Baggins will show up too.
2: Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> All right, and uh, last and certainly not least, and you heard his voice there, our early good dear friend, the Reverend Deuteronomy Skaggs.
1: You know, Steve, I, I'm here just because I'm looking for a ship that's not sinking. So, <laughs>
2: well, you're maybe on maybe, the wrong boat. i just jumped on the wrong boat. Yep. Yeah, well, we're not. I mean, I would not say that we are sinking, but it's you know, it's the summer. This podcast has a tendency to uh, uh, lose lose wind, if you will, end up in the Sargasso Sea. If, uh, if that makes any sense to anybody out there, but no, we're back. We got uh, we got some new shows uh, to talk about, and actually, this is. Uh, I'm kind of amazed. Just want to do a shout out to some of our very good and close and dear friends on the uh, who have been following the Man Cave Movie Review for quite a few years. I was shocked, shocked. I say that um, the number of you actually picked up on the uh, the quote. I I'm amazed because this is. We talked a little bit uh, pre-show. Is the oldest movie that we have ever done on the Mancave Movie Review by what did you say, Brian? About what twenty years or better? Well,
1: I mean, if the Ken, you were saying what the oldest movie was, uh, the Vikings fifty-eight, fifty-nine.
0: Well, this is the a... Searchers, the Searchers was I think fifty-five.
1: Well, this would be twenty years, Tw- 20, years. twenty years before that.
2: Yeah, I mean, they were doing talkies, I think, five years prior to this. So, I mean, if that's any indication. This is this is an old movie, but it's actually pretty good. And as we get to talking about this movie, there is uh, something that I will have to actually bring up and discuss with the Reverend, considering our affinity for a certain <clears throat> vacation spot that I will be bringing up later.
1: But anyway, (laughs) oh, that's going to be an interesting connection. I'm not sure how you get there. Oh, dude,
2: dude, uh, did you watch the same movie I watched? Okay, anyway. Oh, yes. Well, a certain,
1: yeah. Okay, I think I know where you're headed here. Okay. So, hey, Rich Life for me. uh, (laughs)
2: That's (laughs) right. Okay, we'll get to that
1: part. (laughs) That's my
2: audition. That's the first time I ever sang, and the last. Thank God. All right, so we're going to be talking about Captain Blood and this great and fantastic film. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, was made in 1935. And the uh, the background of this movie is, after being wrongly convicted as a traitor, Peter Blood, an English physician, is sent in exile to the British colonies in the Caribbean, where he becomes a pirate. And it pretty much goes off from there, being one of your clash your I'm in my Sean Connery voice. No, it becomes one of your classic um, pirate movies of that era, which they did quite a few back then, I think. But Brian, I mean... Swashbucklers is, is what they were called. Swashbucklers. There you go. But anyway, uh, I, I, I have seen this I think one time before, like many years ago. I don't know if I've ever actually finished it. I finished it for the show. But uh, it's, it, it's, it's great. And um, I'll have words to say, but I will leave it to the Reverend who has been pushing for this movie for some time.
1: Well, I uh, I, I think that that this is, you know, swashbucklers c- cover a lot of ground. I mean, I mean, you know, Scaramouche, which I've not seen, but I but I, they list swashbucklers. A lot of movies fall into. it When I think of swashbucklers, I think of you know, the age of sail and things like that, but that's, that's not, but, but, but in terms of the sailing ships and piracy and all that, I, you know, my personal feeling is I, I, there's two movies I think are the two greatest movies ever done in that. And one is this, uh, Captain Blood. And the other is the Seahawk, uh, which, which is, is a really, a both books actually both the novels are written by a guy an italian named Raphael sabatini and so both those movies both this movie and the seahawk which was done just a few years after this uh, uh actually it was done i think in 39 uh i'm not sure you know when when britain was either at war or close to at war by the way with with uh, germany but uh I think those are the two best pirate or, or, or swashbucklers uh, uh, ever done, and I think this is is the best. And uh, this was this was Flynn's first lead. Uh, this role was supposed to go to Robert Donat, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, and uh, he turned it down. And Flynn, you know, did the did the uh, uh, audition for it, got it, and boy, from that point on, I mean, when you say swashbucklers and heroic figures. Errol Flynn is one of the first guys that comes to mind. Uh, And, you know, Michael Curtis directed it. And, you know, we'll talk about him. But uh, you have the beautiful, the beautiful Olivia de Havilland, who is still out there, guys, kicking today at 102 years of age um, in the film. And it's a great it's a good film. I mean, you know, we've talked about black and white films. We talked about them for other reasons. You know, how we like kind of the horror and the scary movies in black and white. But um, actually, I'll ask you guys, could you imagine what these sets would have looked like in color? I mean, I mean, I don't I don't want to I mean, I don't want to pull a, uh, you know, a Ted Turner and frickin colorize every black and white movie. But I kept thinking, like, this movie would have been gorgeous in color. Um, but uh, and this was Michael. Cur- this was not Michael Curtis's first movie, but it was it's was pretty early. It was early for him in terms of his run. And we'll talk about him, but good God, I mean, the guy doesn't get any credit. He's made some of the most recognized movies in history. But he, he did several movies with Flynn. This was the first of eight movies to Havilland, who was 19 at the time, did with Flynn. And there's a great story about her and her sister and all that, and Ken's probably aware of it, Steve's probably aware of it. But but I like this movie. I, I, I enjoy it. Uh, this is not a movie I would have liked 20 years ago. I, I the, 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 These kind of movies just are something that I've acquired a taste for so uh, but uh, I'll let it go with that and kind of push off to Ken Ken you did make a mention of something to me when we talked about this last week about uh, how there's an implied uh, expectation of the people who watched these movies back then that they have some history of knowledge or, or knowledge of history and I'll, I'll let it go with that
0: you're right, right. I mean that's when they wrote this uh, you know they just kind of assumed that the people watching it understood, or you know, understood like you know English what was going on in England and like you know sixteen seventy or whatever this was was happening. Uh, it's you know black and white. I, I they got a lot of they got a fair number of battle scenes in here that are a lot of it's model work. Some of it is sets. Uh, plays to the. What well, we we'll say prejudices and attitudes of the day i mean it you know it's obviously this movie would not be made with the same script or anything today uh, but it was in its day seen as a sort of a groundbreaking movie in a lot of ways and i think it moves along nicely uh something we didn't mention is it's uh it features the very sneering and despicable Basil Rathbone. This was before he did all these Sherlock Holmes movies. But Basil Rathbone was a very you know, accomplished actor back then uh, who did this movie and did a good job being one of the heavies in the movie. There's several heavies that Captain Blood has to deal with. Uh, but you know Rathbone is much better known as Sherlock Holmes and that whole series. I don't know how many little Sherlock Holmes movies he does in the late thirties and forties. Uh, I'll be interested to see what everybody has to say. I mean, I've done some research and everything on the movie and the characters and everything, and uh, interested to, to talk through.
2: All right. Well, I I, I mean, I saw this movie. Oh, gosh, it was probably about four or five years ago. I think when I very first saw the movie, and. I it was just one of those days where I was watching. I was kind of like half watching it. And um, I mean, I was intrigued. It looked good. Uh, but then again, I watched it for the show. And the thing that I want to bring up right off the bat before I forget about it, because I've always said this before, I'm going to bring this up during the show and then we get to talking and I always forget. But I think what I, what I really actually was sitting and watching for this show is... I, I don't know what came first, but there is clear. There are scenes in this movie that if anybody has ever been to Walt Disney World and has ever been on Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> there, that scene, okay, I'm going to tell you right now. There's a scene where pretend you're coming off that little that little hill where you go down and it kind of splashes and then there's the cannon firing at the thing. You literally see this exact scene in the movie. And I am convinced that Pirates of the Caribbean is based off this movie. Brian changed my mind.
1: I don't know if I can, I mean other than the fact that Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, the the ride is at night. Yeah. And and most of the battles were during the day, although the initial assault, you're yes. right, the initial assault that's right on the port. Uh-huh. You're right. You're spot
0: on. You go back. Well, also, this is like the one of the very first, you know, "quote unquote" pirate movies, and it sort of set the stage and the expectation for the audience. I mean, people watch this; they liked this, what they were seeing, and so in succeeding movies with pirates, they use the same tropes and stories and all. Uh, so you're probably right, Steve. Well, I mean, it, well I, it, what, the, what I'm seeing the, the Caribbean ride and movies probably do owe a large extent from this. Especially, I'll make a point, like, when you first watched the first Pirate of the Caribbean movie, you had that whole split between you have the pirates and you got, like, the governor and the you know people running the plantations in the town. You get that exact split here.
2: Uh, I mean, but to what, a large degree, they really... Hype, hype it but what I'm getting at is that when you look at that old Pirates of the Caribbean I mean they're making a movie after the fact they've already they already know what those things are I I'm just telling you and it, it may be one of those things where again uh, if you've been on that ride as many times as I have or Brian and Brian's like you know 30 40 50 years older than me um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's so he's been on it more than I have. Uh, there literally is this scene as the pirate ship is going in. It's like the cutscenes. So you literally see the pirate ship firing cannons. You see the 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 cannon splashing in front. You see the. I, I mean it. There is a scene in this movie that is when you're coming down when you come down that rat or that hill. In Pirates of the Caribbean, you actually see this scene. They have put it in the movie. I am not kidding. I am going to have to now I'm on a mission. I will actually try to figure out if I could splice those two together so you could see what the hell I'm talking about. Because I even my wife, I told I told Deb, come down here and look at this. She goes, Holy shit, they completely ripped that off. I'm like, Well, actually this movie was made before Disney World. So Yeah, well, it, I mean
1: I mean, why wouldn't you?
2: I oh mean, yeah. What, 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 what,
1: I mean, there were scenes from this movie. Some of the battle scenes were done from a silent movie called yes. The Seahawk, yes, which 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 uh, was done in twenty nine, I think, or twenty eight, and uh, which, by the way, you know, uh, Flynn did The Seahawk, a talkie in thirty eight, thirty nine. Uh, but if you're Disney and you're doing a pirate movie, I I, I think this is the greatest pirate movie done. You know, I mean, it certainly set the standard for it. Um, and again, you know, the Seahawk was great, too. You know, Seahawk basically Sir Francis Drake rewrote. And you know what? Actually, you know, you know who Captain Blood is. There actually was a, a guy named Christopher Blood who has an interesting history. But it's Sir Henry frickin Morgan, dude. I mean, this is who it was. I mean, that's who it really was. Yes. <laughs> Cap-
0: Captain Morgan was the pirate to turn governor. That's right. Yeah, it is, it's a loosely told story of Captain Morgan.
1: Which is funny, because when you think about what Sabatini did, he ripped off Francis Drake and did a novel. He ripped off Henry Morgan and did a novel. <laughs> it both became some of the most popular pirate movies ever made.
0: It's been done. I'm going to make a point, though, and this is just personal preference, but to me, the classic, my favorite pirate movie is the old Treasure Island. And, you know, I've never seen it, believe it or not. What? Oh, God. What?
1: That's a Stevenson, Robert, Robert Louis Stevenson novel, right?
0: Yeah, I think it was made around 1950. Uh, with you know, That's the one with Long John Silver and Pieces of the Night. Oh, it's a great. You need to go see it. Go when, Sometime this week, now you've seen this movie, go get Treasure Island and watch it. Wasn't and, that a Disney
2: movie, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, I believe it might have been made by Disney. I... I have got this vague memory that it was a Disney. Movie. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But
0: I just thought it was very well done. And I've read the book as a kid. And, oh, I thought it was a great story. Good rip
2: about you know drama. Oh, I remember. I mean, it, yeah, I've seen the movie. I know which one you're talking about. And it is a it is a great show. And it's and it's good for kids. I mean, a kid could watch that. Show. It's
0: it's more of a kid story.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, it is a kid. story. I, guess I watched basically. it as a kid. Yeah, but there is a lot of pirate. Movies. I mean, well, it and. It, 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 it,
1: and to a point, part of the reason I've never seen it was because I've always considered it a kid's story. Um, but, you know, but the fact is, it's a great novel. I mean, I haven't read it, but I've read enough to know about it that it is. But, but mean, again, you cannot ignore the fact that the, this came first.
2: Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah.
1: What, whatever comes after is going to be influenced
2: by it. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Well, like you said, it's was May 1935. I mean, you know, a few years earlier, they, I mean, they were just doing sound in this. I mean, you can tell. Um, actually, um, uh, I, I kind of take that back a little bit. The sound quality, when you listen to this movie and you'll hear the clips, I mean, the sound quality is pretty good. Damn um, good. You get a couple of years prior to this and the sound quality is terrible. You watch some of the old, uh, the Dracula, like the original Dracula, which was made 33, two years older than this. I mean, it's, I mean, the background noise and the crackling and everything, it's just terrible. But um, but this movie is very well done. It's very well. I mean, the production value. And as a matter of fact, um, I want to kind of get in a little bit. I mean, you know, anything that you can take is a grain of salt on uh, IMDb. But they were talking about how um, this movie was like a million bucks to make. 1.2 million, 242 thousand. That is an unheard of. Could you imagine
1: making this movie for in that?
2: 1935 <laughs> with people that no one's, no one knew where Errol Flynn was. They didn't know who Olivia uh, the hell or uh, no, she was, was. She was 19. Yeah, she was 19. I mean, and that is incredible. I mean, there. I mean, you look at her, and it's like she's 19, really.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: By today's mm-hmm. standards, she's like pushing 30.
0: But I, I, I went out there. You know, while we were talking about you know other pirate movies. I just happened to pull up on Wikipedia. I should have done it before, but they've got a list of pirate films starting in 1908. By the time they did this movie, there's probably 30 pirate movies. And I can tell you that Treasure Island, the Treasure Island version I'm talking about, that I think is great, was done one year before Captain Blood. It's got. Oh, really? It's got Wallace Beery, Jackie Cooper, and Lionel Barrymore.
1: Jackie Cooper was a kid actor at that time.
0: Yeah. But anyways, enough of that. But no, when you look at the list of pirate movies, it's a big list. And it's just a, it's one of those topics. I mean, (laughs) people, you know, people like it. It's natural drama, romance. Uh, you can do it dark. You can do it light. You can do whatever you want. And, uh, the last pirate movie that came out was last year. So, what was that steady flow?
2: What was the last pirate movie? Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Men Tell No Tales. Oh,
0: but then I mean, just going back, like, let's see, there's like a pirate movie every year, on average, I would say.
1: Well, I would imagine Treasure Island have been done several times. It was, it was just once done, or twice.
0: It was done about ten this. years ago.
1: But I mean, Treasure Island, I bet was done, you know, prior to the thirty-six or thirty-five version. All oh, of yeah. As a silent movie.
0: Actually, there's just a version of Treasure Island that was done back in uh, twenty twelve, with uh, Elijah Wood, Donald Sutherland, <laughs> and not the not this focus on the past, but. Uh, in 2013, Captain Phillips came out with Tom Hanks, with modern-day pirates. They're still out there. Piracy isn't gone. I mean, they're, they're still out there. So I let's
1: mean, there get are. The movie. Yeah, I mean there. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, um, there are flaws in the movie. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, again, I, I'll be very nitpicky here. But, you know, for example, when Lavoisier uh, died uh, and the water was going over his eyes and stuff, I noticed, I, 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 in fact, I went back and looked at it several times. He blinked, <laughs> even though he's dead. Because, you know, freaking salt's going, salt water's going on his eyes, you know? Uh, and then the other thing was when uh, De Havilland was traveling back with the emissary uh, from England, she'd been in England the whole time. He gets there and makes the announcement, oh, we got a new king. Well, she'd been in England with him. How the hell did she not know there was a new king, you know?
0: Uh, oh, he was an old king by then. He was like, he'd been on the throne for like two or three years. Yeah, So, but she didn't know that? Yeah, and and so apparently, sunk. well, so, and,
1: and apparently, Blood had really been at sea for two or three years because <laughs> nobody, nobody uh, in Port Royal knew it or anyplace else. So, again, it's just like, you know, I don't want to be nitpicky, but, I, but you know you, you always think about plot you're like well, well shouldn't they have known that? Why is this news? she should have definitely known it. she was living there and if it was two or three years I didn't realize it had been that long Ken I mean hell everybody would have known and, and one of the other things was he talked about how he I think he sunk a Portuguese ship and stole something off the Azores He called them the Azores I believe Azores <laughs> yeah that's just all Portugal. Uh, something tells me, I mean, kid, you, you may you know different than I, I don't think the Caribbean Pirates were doing much outside the Caribbean at the time.
0: You would be wrong.
1: Oh, well, there you go.
0: I mean, Car- Pirates in the Caribbean, they, they were sailing around to India. I mean, they're doing, they are doing they went wherever they could get some booty.
1: Well, that's interesting. I didn't realize that.
0: Yeah, Captain Kidd, the famous pirate, same era. I mean, he, he did some work in the Caribbean, but he also went all the way around to India and Madagascar and all sorts of stuff.
1: I mean I know I know Francis Drake certainly was in the Pacific and, and might have actually discovered some places that he didn't even get any credit for. Uh, but he was he was not your typical pirate, frankly. No Drake wasn't. I mean he well, was there's pirates
0: and there's privateers.
1: Correct. He was a privateer.
0: Again, a privateer <laughs> was basically a government licensed pirate. If you have a beef, I mean, in terms of like historical accuracy, if there is any beef to be had, it's that the pirates were a pretty nice, happy go lucky bunch of sea dogs. They weren't depraved, cutthroats. But there's a lot of research that, you know, pirates, I mean, yes, there were probably really some really bad, psychotic, evil pirates, but for a lot of these guys, they... You know, life was rough. And I mean, if they were legit, they lived a horrible life and did horrible things. If they went pirate, they did horrible things. So, but the, they were not, they were sympathetic. I was, would it be fair to say that the crew was pretty much sympathetic? Uh, of course, they set it up, you know, they were railroaded and, you know, abused by an evil court system and sold into slavery. And, you know, they had every reason to go pirating. But even once they did it, they were pretty sympathetic, pretty nice for a bunch of cutthroats. Well, I mean,
1: historically, you know, my understanding is that pirates were one of the first forms of like little mini democracies that were set up because they actually voted who was going to be the captain. And, you know, I mean, you know, beginning of the movie where they kind of they literally almost voted on. Here's how things are going to go down. We all agree on this. That's kind of how pirate ships were run. And you got to think, like, not everybody's a scumbag on here, you know? I mean, it, to your point about the, they weren't savages. Well, some might have been. But the the captain didn't have carte blanche. You know, he pretty much had to kind of go along with what everybody else wanted to do.
0: Well, that was uh, a thing they emphasized, you know, they didn't, they didn't smack it in your face all through the movie, but the idea that, Errol Flynn's, you know, Captain Blood character, he got the respect of his men early on and he kept delivering. I mean, okay, if you keep, you know, bringing us gold and winning us battles and seizing us treasure, we'll support you and we'll back you and, you know, we'll, we'll cut you slack.
1: Well, talking about Flynn, too, and you and I had this conversation a bit last week, we were talking about it. Flynn has this whole thing, I, I remember the trial, you know, when he was the doctor. He was above it all. Like, I, you know, it's, it's like, well, I, I just can't believe that, you know, I'm being charged for this. And just like, he, he kind of had this screw you attitude. Haughty. He, Haughty. Th- that's the word. And he retained <laughs> that throughout the movie. But to me, that's part of the the Flynn mystique. I mean, again, this guy's 26 years old. He's never had a freaking lead in his life. And, and, and he's got, the, he's putting his character out there. And that attitude is there. I I think a lot of that is – I think a lot of that's not acting because, I I mean, I think that's got to be part of your personality to do your first movie and to pull that off. Uh, And so – but again, that that haughty attitude, that's a great word. That is the word, Uh, is to be one of the neatest parts about it because he was above it all to a point. He was going to – he was above it all. He was going to do his things his way, but he was also going to lead you know, like he led as the doctor and, you know, the governor loved him and all these guys, you know, I mean, the only guy that didn't like him was, frankly, that asshole of an uncle she had uh, played by Lionel Atwell, which, by the way, he would have ended freaking badly if I had, you know, anybody else who's, at the end of that movie with Christopher Blood, that guy shows up. It's like, all right, let's get that dude is hanging tomorrow. <laughs> I don't give a shit if he's your uncle or not. He's a son of a bitch.
0: And he was.
2: Yeah, it was terrible.
0: The the whipping, the breaking on the wheel, the branding. I mean, they, they portray this guy. I mean, I'm not going to say this is like the most savage movie you've ever seen, but for its day, you know, 1935, they made no bones about the fact this guy was a sadistic bastard.
1: Exactly. He was not a nice. I mean, obviously, <laughs> uh, the word nice when it comes to using it in the same sentence as slave owner, I get people like, are you fucking crazy? But, but <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing nice about this guy. He, he gave two shits about these guys. I mean, they were just pieces of meat. Which, well, again, a lot of these characters as actors had some interesting histories. I don't know if you followed them or not, but mm-hmm. Atwill had some interesting stuff that showed out. The guy that played Christopher Jeremy Pitt, he had some, well, actually tragic stuff you know that happened to him outside the movies. All of it usually having to do with sex, by the way. Um But uh, but uh, oh, uh, you see. know, I hated the guy. I'm like, hang the son of a bitch. You know, he's a he's a piece of crap. But you know,
0: hell, so the, the governor was the su- only nice the, guy. The movie succeeded. You like the governor? I mean,
1: yeah, he just had he just had what? What was it? He had uh, gout. 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 Yeah. You get that from drinking too much, right? Uh,
0: drinking, eating rich food, sedentary lifestyle. Yeah, Ow! my
1: foot <laughs> just started hurting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Actually, yeah. Why don't you have gout? That's that's you. Actually, pretty much all of us. Well, some was, of us more than others. When you speak of like you know interesting lives, I mean Errol Flynn had an interesting life, and he had his fair share of controversy and. Sexual,
2: alliances, booze, drugs, trials. He died at uh, 50. He was 50. He was my yeah. age. And he was broke. Can you imagine me being dead right now? Oh, you're asking if
1: we hope or if we imagine?
2: I just, okay. <laughs> See? There you go, folks.
1: <laughs> no, I it, no seriously. Well, first off, 50 then was, well, you know, was a little older.
0: But and he had guys- a hard life. Again, it he hit big, made money, and lived a life of excess.
2: Man.
0: Uh, but yeah, he was a he was back in those days, if you want to, you know, in the thirties, thirties and like you know, early forties, he was the guy. He was top list, uh did charge of the light brigade, he did, you know, all I mean he did all these
2: dashing movies. Well, when you think about it, he was probably as far as I mean, I mean, he is a good-looking guy. I mean, good-looking guy. That I don't time, know how tall
1: he was, but he, he was—he looked like a tall. Yeah, you I know, try,
2: I, you attractive know, I I, guy. I don't. Well, actually, let's find out how tall was. It's Errolson. easy to find, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, he was. I busy. bet he's six
1: three at least.
2: Ah, how tall was he? Where is it? Doesn't say. Well, hold on. Because
1: I, I I assume uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Lavoisier Basil Rathbone. Oh, no. tall guy. Could no. be wrong.
2: Not, yeah, he actually he was taller than I was. He was six too. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he was he was uh, he was tall. He was born in. Uh, I like this. He was born in nineteen oh nine. June, June twenty. Australia. In Hobart, Australia. Just as an FYI, um, I used to live next. The town next to mine was Hobart, Indiana.
1: Oh yeah, used to have some great high school football teams back yeah. in the day.
2: Yeah, my dad, my dad grew up in Hobart, played for the football team, and uh, yeah, but he oh, died. Wow. Yeah, he died in 1959 uh, from a heart attack in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Had three wives. Yeah, they just he
1: was he was actually taking he was up there because he had a yacht that he was going to lease to some guy. And so he was getting ready to, uh, to a business guy. He was getting ready to take the yacht down. He was with some chick. And then he started having problems with his back and his legs, I think. And then I don't know, they saw a doctor. I think they gave him Demerol or something like that. And then she like massaged his legs. He went to sleep. And they went back in there. And he was dead.
2: Well, I, and you know. I'm trying to find. But I remember seeing, again, if you could take it for a grain of salt. But some of the stuff that I was reading, I guess, when they did the autopsy on him. They said he would have he been, had no liver. He basically was gonna be probably dead in the next yeah. six to seven months because of liver failure. They said yeah, he his had liver no, was he he, had no liver. It was shot. So it's like he was not going to live. Oh, he him. was
0: famous as a partier. Yeah. Hard drinking. You know, this was the, the you know golden age of Hollywood. He could go anywhere and do anything, and he was in all the top parties and such. Uh and yeah, he, uh, he, he, I have no doubt he had a good time with his
1: life, but he, 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 literally, str- he literally struggled, I think from like 1950 on, um, which is, again, is, you know, but you think about Hollywood actors that puts him, what, at 40? I mean, today, hell, you're in your prime at 40. I mean, think about it. You got guys that in their fifties playing 26 year olds today, you know, freaking yeah. Tom Cruise. What is he? 90. And he's playing. <laughs> I mean, you I, saw I, what,
2: what, yeah. Yeah, what Meg, yeah, Meg, Meg, saw. Meg what's I'm,
1: her name look like now. She looks like my grandma who's passed away 30 years ago. I mean, you know, in, in, in Top Gun. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, that that gal has been run hard.
0: No, I just went and saw uh, the new Mission Impossible movie last night. And yeah, Tom Cruise is... He he does a great job in that movie. He's very physical. Uh, he doesn't look his age at all. He's, no. Because I think he's... He's in his 50s. He's oh, in his oh, He's mid-50s. well
2: into his 50s. I mean, I want to say he's got to be about either 55 or 56. I might I have to look Crap. that up.
1: Well, you know what they say. Those guys follow L. Ron Hubbard will live forever. So,
2: yeah. Okay. So, he's five years older than me. He was born July 3rd, 62. So, he's... Yeah, he's 56. 56. Okay. Yeah. Well, but, you know... Yeah,
0: why. I mean, you know lifespans were shorter, significantly shorter back here. So like the fact that he made it, that Errol made it into his fifties is good. Uh, but then on the other hand, Olivia de Havilland's
2: still a He's She's still out there. Yeah. She obviously well, did not it, follow his lifestyle.
1: Yeah. Well, interesting, you know, real quick on de Havilland. She was born in 1916. She was 19 when she did this. Uh, she did, I think, nine movies with Flynn. Uh, I mean her career early is inextricably tied to his. Now she's a Brit uh, and it uh, obviously we, you can't talk about Olivia De Havilland with, talk without talking about Joan Fontaine, who was her sister. Both Oscar winners. In fact Fontaine beat uh, De Havilland I think for the first Oscar they were up against each other and as sisters right from their being kids on, there was a it was a troubled relationship uh and uh they had a couple times where they reconciled and didn't reconcile and did reconcile but i think for the last 10 or 15 years of their life they didn't speak and and fontaine died shit she died in like i don't know. it wasn't that many she i think she was maybe 90 plus and she died uh but two two of the greatest female actors in history were sisters and fontaine could not Used the de Havilland name because their mother stepped in and said that she couldn't use the de Havilland name, so she had to change her name. Wow. Uh, because her, because Olivia had started earlier. And I think, honestly, I think Olivia was the favorite, if that makes any sense. Uh, and so I think that was part of it. Uh, again, they had a very troubled relationship, despite the fact that they were uh, uh, obviously brilliant. And by the way, if you've ever seen Joan Fontaine, she was. <laughs> hot looking cow too by the way um actually go, going back steve we talked about this we did the uh, the uh, uh the the horror stuff years ago and you talked about how you thought women in this era were just beamingly attractive and how it, whether it was fashion or something else yep. women just didn't look as good you know a few years later i don't know what point it was you made but I, i've always remembered the point you made about that
2: well, I mean, it was just, I think part of it for me was, again, it's like the the black and white movies just had a different, it, it gave them, a, I think, a softer look about them. And, you know, and for me, and I'm not talking like the 50s and 60s, but for me, like the 30s and 40s, it was the fashion, the hair. And and again, I think just because it was a black and white movie, I think the the camera was more flattering on them. And it was just that... It was just that, I don't know, it just that period. The style of time. was
1: pretty nice too. Well,
2: that's what I mean. It was, it's all about the fashion and the style. When I look, like for me, like when I look at like the, like the 50s and the 60s with the beehive hairdos, when I look at that area, the 70s, I'm like, Jesus Christ, did you guys all lose your fucking mind? What, what made you even think that looked good? I mean, there was, That's the same reason we
1: wore bell bottoms in the '80s or yeah, '70s. So, oh, yeah.
2: no, I mean, it was like there was <laughs> nothing about that period that even looked remotely attractive or flattering. It just looked terrible. Ooh. Yet, I mean, I look back at like the '30s and '40s, like God, they just the guys always wore a hat. They looked dapper, and I was even actually talking about this with my mom, and we can. And I'm not. It, this isn't really a tangent. But what was it about, when you watch a movie from the 30s and 40s, everybody's dressed up. You never see a guy, rarely, extremely rarely, where they're not wearing a suit and a tie. Or they got a hat with them. The women, I mean, it doesn't matter. Even if they were like, kind of like down and out people. Guys wear suits (laughs) and ties. I'm like, that's I asked my mom. I said. Do people dress like that all the time? I mean, was that like normal where you just put on a suit and tie and walked out to go to the store? I mean, is that how people dressed? And it just – and I think it's just, again, more of a romantic look. I'm sure, you know, none of the women that – if I went back in time today would look like Joan Fontaine or, you know, Livia de Havilland back then. So –
0: well, if you look at non-movie, like documentary pictures, not everybody was in a suit and tie. The women were a lot of them wearing very plain outfits, but they did. There's a different. I mean, there's just a different expectation back then of what you know, good looks and decorum and beauty and all were. And I, won't, I won't argue with you, and especially Hollywood. The way Hollywood presented it, it was a perfect. Vision of life, they right. they polished it up. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I also I also think, I don't know if it was
1: if I'm wrong about this, I, one of the one of my favorite movies of all time is The Thin Man, and the dialogue in that movie is exceptional. The women are just snappy and and it just you know and I, 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 look I know all the sexism and stuff and I know that. You know actually Ken and I read you know there was a novel written about you know uh, u.s troops find themselves back in the 30s and they realized just how bad people were back then but the novel in a lot of these uh, these movies in the 30s was just fantastic now I'm not saying well actually dialogue of this was fine but i I just thought women the way they were portrayed as being smart and sassy and and, and so forth. And a lot of those movies was, was better than anything that was done in the fifties, frankly.
0: Right.
1: Um, and, uh, so uh, there was that to me, you, you had the women who were there, they, were the, they, they, they could go toe to toe with the guy in the movie. And again, maybe I'm, maybe I'm focused on the thin man, which is probably another movie we should do. Cause it's incredible. Uh, but, uh, but you know, there's that, and I think that's part of the appeal of the women, other than the fashion and everything else, that they were—they were they were just they, they 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 could give and they could take, and it was—it 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 was great. It was just great watching them, you know, watching how they could do it. I, I, I don't want to go because I, I know, you know, I don't know how far we are into this, but uh, I think it has to be mentioned about the director in this movie, Michael Curtis, okay. who was a Hung- Hungarian, uh, died in 62, 75. Apparently, the guy was a frickin'. Workaholic, by the way. He he it, literally, it, it said that he would go to sleep taking a cold shower because he would just work his ass off during the day. He didn't take lunches. And he, actors that took lunches pissed him off because you know lunches made you lazy. But this dude, I'm gonna go. He did Captain, well, Captain Blood, Robin Hood, Angel of Dirty F- Faces, the Sea Wolf. He did Casablanca.
0: The
1: that director did. Wow. Mildred Mildred Pierce, which actually is not a bad movie. Uh, I, I watched it. Yankee Doodle Dandy, which I, I made the comment I don't either while we're here or not that I hate musicals. I hate musicals. Yankee Doodle Dandy with Jimmy Cagney is a great musical. I could watch it any time. <laughs> he did White Christmas with Bing Crosby. Musical, good movie. He did We're No Angels. Uh, with, with, I think Bogart again, uh, he did life with father with William Powell, who I love from the thin man. The guy is really one of the greatest directors that ever came through Hollywood and, and the movies that he did, he only won, he won one Oscar for Casablanca, he won one Oscar for a, some kind of short movie he did. And I know he didn't have a a lot of the Oscars other guys did, but that list of movies I gave you are some of the most influential movies that ever came through Hollywood ever. And, And they're diverse. I mean, musicals, comedies. He could do anything. He really could. He was an incredible director. Uh, And obviously did a lot of stuff with, I mean, his his accidental relationship with Flynn profited them both quite well, frankly. Despite, I'm not sure how much money either one of them had at the end. I'm sure Curtis probably did.
2: Yeah, probably. (laughs) Probably. All right, you know what? Yeah, I, I never heard
0: anything about Curtis drinking
1: away all of his profits. Oh, he was uh, – Curtis was – Curtis is a big thing, and I think he's a little bit like Eastwood like this. Because Eastwood, I don't know if you heard about how he directs a movie, but he is a, a nut about tech, being technically correct, preparation, and you get the shit done quick and under budget. And I think Curtis was infamous for that. Now, he could drive actors crazy because people I, – I, somebody referred to him as like, you know, he had no skin. He was he was all metal underneath. Um, I think it was Fay Ray that said that about him. Um, but um, the guy plowed through these move- – I mean, he did he, – I think he aver- – I'm serious. There was a period of time he was doing six movies a year. <laughs> could you think about that today? You got directors doing one movie every six years today. <laughs> But I mean, this guy was just cranking through stuff. It's amazing. Uh, Curtis wasn't his real name. He was a Hungarian Jew, um, and uh, I, I think he actually didn't come to the states. He was like 38 years old, by the way. He'd done a lot of movies overseas, but uh, dude was an Iron Man. He was just an Iron Man, and and you know for that reason, he probably could be pretty tough on the actors because he expected them to
2: to approach it the same way he was approaching it. So it kind of sounded like a Kubrick of his time. Was Kubrick like that? Oh, God. Kubrick was a monster. I was just actually reading one of the trivia pieces. They said that uh, there was at one point that he made uh, Errol Flynn do a scene 10 times in a row. Well, shit. Kubrick. Curtis Curtis did that? Curtis did that. Yeah. Well, Kubrick actually got, uh, and and we mentioned this in one of our previous podcasts, like many years ago, Mark and I did for our, our Halloween thing, was The Shining. And it was directed by Kubrick. Kubrick actually got Shelly Duvall in the, in the uh, uh, record books for the number of times you could swing a baseball bat. Wow.
1: Yeah. Unlike Curtis, who could do six movies a year, yeah, Kubrick could only do about one every, like, nine years. Well, yeah, because it know, took him nine it was years such an to ordeal. make a deal.
2: Yeah, because it took him nine years to make a movie. I mean, all of his movies took forever to do. But, um, and, uh, shit, uh, Ken, remind me, didn't Kubrick? Did he do Spartacus or am I, am I, am I pulling that? Uh, I'm pretty sure I
0: think Kubrick did do
2: Spartacus. Yeah, Yeah. I think you're right. Because that was like, it took like forever. They're like, are you ever going to finish this goddamn movie?
1: Well, one of the big movies he did, I can't think what it was. uh, Flynn, near the end of his career. Yeah. Was, was tried to do a movie with Kubrick. I can't think of what movie it was. Oh no, I, I know what movie it was. It was, I think the James Mason movie. Uh, where he was dating like a thirteen-year-old or some shit like that. Oh, which, by Charita. the way, yeah. Which, by the way, in the case
2: of in the case <laughs> of Errol Flynn, is a little too close to life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he was acquitted. He he was never convicted. He was. I think he got acquitted, right? <laughs>
1: it was two sixteen-year-olds, as I recall.
2: Oh boy. Well, there we go. All right. Now, it sounds know, like actually in the
1: case of that, it sounds like you know uh, you know there was. You know, it it was, you know, ironic William F. Buckley was involved in that, which is interesting because he supported Kubrick or supported the Flynn in it. You know, but but there's a whole backstory. But but there's a you know, there's enough smoke that there's probably fire somewhere. All right.
2: Well, no one, no one Flynn's life. It's not surprising. So, yeah. All right, uh, guys, let's move on to um, let's move on to one of our other uh, favorite parts of the show. And I totally forgot what that is. Oh, that's right. It's brother. What you drinking? I don't even have my damn clip set going here. Damn, what's wrong with me? Oh shit! All right. It's been a while since I've done this. This is terrible.
0: Lost your mojo? I
2: have lost my mojo. All right. Um. So um. Let's see, guys. It's uh, time for brother. What you drinking? So, um, did I have a clip for this? Did I ever have a clip for this? I know we have Ketchup up Ken, but... Um,
1: no, I think there's no there's no clip for this. I didn't think so. God, it's been that damn long.
2: It's been that long. I mean, I, I am remiss. And I have you haven't... Remiss. Done. We, yeah,
0: it's been like two months. Again, listeners, we kind of apologize. We yeah. like to keep you know, a steady flow of podcasts coming, but we just... Our social life, family commitments, holiday excursions—it's just drag. This is we can't get together. It's
2: tough. Yeah, this has been a rough summer, rougher than most of the ones that we've had. But um, anyway, but we're back, so we are now on to brother. What you drinking? So, um, you know, I might as well just kick this one off. Let's see. I will do. I I actually went out with uh, some friends of mine and my dear and lovely wife and my sister in law. God rest her soul. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She's alive. <laughs> she's alive.
1: Was that actually a cough, or was that an
2: intentional cough? <laughs> no, she's alive. Last time I checked, she drove away safe. So I'm just kidding. So no, I am. De- just keep, keep digging. Pull that so anyway, out, we went to this place up in uh, the north uh, east side of Indianapolis called Fishers, and there is a. Uh, great and fantastic brewery up there called redemption and i oh uh, if you ever get up that way 96th street great beer food is fantastic really really good french fries can't recommend it enough but the ones i've been drinking right now is the one that i took home was the was the uh, atonement it is uh american pale ale and I'm not a big fan of pale ales. I mean, I used to be, but I'm actually starting to get a little bit more of a taste from again. And it was good enough where I got a growler. So um, actually, I also got a growler of their uh, stout drink before the show. So if I sound like I'm talking funny, that's why. But uh, Redemption, Atonement, very good beer. Love it. Reverend, what do you got? Well,
1: uh, Steve, you know, today is National International Beer Day. Is it really? As you might recall.
2: Is it really? It is. Oh.
1: They were, they, they were serving yanklings, I think, downtown Indianapolis for like a quarter or something. Literally, I'm not making this shit up. And uh, I heard about this very special beer that was made in Poland. Oh, boy. For International Beer Day. Ah, uh, I got to be careful I say this because I talked about this for Sheila, but I'm going to give it the first try here, and it's called uh, the Order of Yoni beer. It is made from some very interesting ingredients, and I'll ask people to look it up because I can only go so far in okay, talking about the internet, the Yoni beer. But I'm going to give it a taste here. <coughs> Fuck! There's freaking hair in it. Sorry, I would just ask people to look up (laughs) the Order of Yoni. (laughs) It makes Prudo look like some of the best shit you've ever had in your life.
2: (laughs) Order of Yoni. I'm gonna.
1: Yoni. It's a delicacy, (laughs) and it's Polish. (laughs) All
2: right, I'll look it up.
1: I can't I, I already tried to vet this with my wife. She says, if you say that, I will kill you. So look it up.
2: Why would
0: she kill you? It's the truth, right? If it's, there are certain truths,
1: Ken, that must remain unspoken.
0: Okay. She's not a <laughs> Polish extraction.
1: <laughs> it's the ingredients. Okay. <laughs> we'll let it slide. But this is a Pruno moment. Once you guys read about it, and everybody else does.
2: Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, I'm afraid to look it I would say only in Poland, Steve,
2: but I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, God, what is becoming my mother country? What are you guys doing over there? What the fuck?
0: Steve, Steve, Brian can't say it, but what are the exotic ingredients in Yogi? Steve can't say it either. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: <laughs> I think the fact that I just I just pointed it out at all probably this whole section gonna be deleted from the podcast.
2: <laughs> I, I, you actually found this beer somewhere are you are no you, oh, okay, I'm, okay.
1: Just, I'm drinking it just like i drink pruno bro oh hey, if i could have got
2: if i got a shipped
1: here i would have given it a try it was just introduced today this week I, i'm gonna try to find it though
2: well thanks for <laughs> th- thanks brian that's awesome i i <laughs> the fatherland steve the fatherland holy shit <laughs>
0: I like. I like. I like the, I like the thin fact
2: thin that the website... I want to take
1: a friend of mine uh, who was aware of our podcast <laughs> for pointing this out to me because he goes, "You guys are beer snobs."
2: <laughs> he goes, "Why don't you talk to him about that beer?" <laughs> I like the fact that there's only like evidently they only <laughs> you like, have to be attractive. The, well, that's a big thing. Well, there's only two of them, and evidently they yes. have. Yeah, I, evidently but they're that, trying to get the the, the the right.
0: Okay, I I did go out and look, there and you go. I now see why you are keeping your mouth
2: shut.
1: Yeah, I, I actually vetted it with Sheila, and she's like, "You're you're really not going to do this, are you?"
2: All right, guys, I'm just like, so you know, ladies and gentlemen, the Order <laughs> of Yoni Y O N I dot com. Prepare yourselves, and all hate mail. Goes to uh, Brian Miller at mancavemoviepodcast.com <laughs> He's he is the one responsible for. And I have I have some
1: other friends that made the recommendation, but yeah. hell, I'll take the I'll take the hit for yeah. it.
2: Yeah, as you should. All right, mm-hmm. let's see. Okay, thank you very much. And last, and certainly not least,
1: <laughs> it's now time for catching up with Ken.
2: My darling. I- Oh, uh, there you go, Ken. What's going on, buddy?
0: Uh, I'm not going to give the usual roster of things I've done, because since we haven't really done a podcast for like going on two months, and it's been the very busy summer months, uh, I've been busy. done a lot of dining, pool parties. Uh, did you take uh, over a
1: small South American
0: country during the interim here? No, but uh, <laughs> oh, okay. I did go down south. <laughs> Uh, but a few highlights had a really nice tiki party a few weeks ago. Uh, been to a bunch of different new bars and restaurants in town, been to several musical venues to listen to various bands and musical groups play everything ranging from small cozy bars to big outdoor venues. Uh, a lot of nice food. Uh been even to the horse track to do some racing. So, uh, lots of stuff. The, uh, today, I mean, my highlight today was I went down with our friend Mark and excuse me, and his son and visited Gen Con, the big game and other stuff convention that goes on here in Indianapolis. Uh, Lots of cosplayers doing their costumes, lots of games, authors, special guests, products. Uh, had a good time down at Gen Con and uh, got away and now I'm here. Uh, for what I'm drinking, I just want I, – I, I wanted to bring it into the movie. Now, this movie is set in the age of sale. Would you all agree? Agreed. Yes, sir. And in, in the age of sail, there's an expression about the men that were out on those ships on the high seas. It's when they said that it was wooden ships and iron, iron men. men. The men were tough. And you had great fighting men. You know, I'll just say, of, of all the nations that created you know, salty sailors that sailed the seven seas. You, you, I think you would agree that Great Britain probably had the best reputation. Yeah. Yes. Okay? Absolutely. And there were a lot of well-known ones. I mean, we've mentioned here already Francis Drake, Captain Morgan, the fictional Captain Blood, these Captain Kidd. These are all men of great accomplishment, great reputation. But they all have one thing lacking. They don't have rank. They're captains. Captains, nothing. But there was a there was a British a British sailor, a fighting man, of great accomplishment.
1: Minus an arm, maybe.
0: Well, he didn't have a, He lost a he lost various body parts. Yes, and that would be Admiral Nelson. And what I'm drinking tonight is Admiral Nelson's Spiced Rum and Diet Coke. Nice. Very well done.
1: Beautiful. We have a high end of the podcast tonight. We have a low end when it comes to the (laughs) (laughs) beverage. All
0: right. um, Speaking of beer, one thing I'd like to say is you you mentioned they're having this Kugel. Uh, fest down on the circle today?
1: Actually, it was uh, Yingling, but yes. Yingling.
0: That's right. I'm sorry. How do I get Lining Kugel out of Yingling? But uh, this morning on the uh, Tony Cat show on WIBC, they have a feature where one of the other people comes in and has Tony eat or drink something, usually like foul sounding, to see if he'll drink it or eat it. And this morning, it was a Yingling float, Yingling with vanilla ice cream, and this, this sounds hideous. He was raving on it. <laughs> he was going, this is awesome. So I don't know. Maybe he was just making it up it. Usually on this feature, if it's horrible, he'll choke and gasp and gag. But he was going like, "Hey, people need to have you know Yingling floats more often." So. You might give it a try. What could it hurt?
2: (laughs) Wow. All right. Well, there you go. That is it with uh, Brother What you Drinking and Catching Up with Ken. It is now time for one of our other favorite parts of the show, and that is Clips. Clips! Uh, I got a few here, guys. So, let's see. We'll start with number one. In case this business keeps me over long. Take care of your water, my geraniums, especially those under the bedroom window. Geraniums, won't you ever grow up? One would think you were still at medical school. Geraniums, you would think of geraniums when every other able-bodied man is out fighting. Hmm,
1: it's out of favor.
0: I seem to be with you, my vinegary virgin.
1: I swear (laughs) to God, Steve, I was going to call you the vinegary virgin. That is that is onomatopoeia like nothing else.
2: <laughs> my there. vinegary virgin. Yes. I can't believe you pulled that out. <laughs> not, not, no, I've pulled out a few others. I like this one here.
1: Who the devil may you be? Peter Blood, medicinae Beccalorius. Don't fling your French at me. Latin, my dull friend, it means I'm a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> That was the other line I was gonna use. <laughs> Don't fling your French at me.
0: <laughs> a thing I liked about the very beginning of this movie is that in a very low key fashion, they just dropped a few hints here and there to let you know that, yeah, this Peter Blood guy, he's a doctor and he just wants to like live a quiet life in the country. But as a younger man, he actually went out and fought did stuff. And seaman.
2: Was, he was a, a seaman,
0: he was like fought in the fought in yeah. the wars. But he came back to live a peaceful life.
2: Right. All right, let's see. Number three.
1: Your slave is grateful for all marks of favor.
0: When you forget your slavery and go so far
1: now there you're mistaken. However far this slave may go, he won't forget. It's a characteristic we Irish have in common with the elephant. <laughs> Damn it, Steve.
2: Yeah. What am My I getting all, line? Am I getting all the good ones? All right. Now. Next one. Time <laughs> over the end of a gun. I'll scatter his innards all over the sugar cane. They should have. Yeah, they should have. I like this part because this is—I think—that's an Irish thing where you talk, where you call people "darlin." Hold on, Colonel Darlin.
0: Hanging's too dignified for him. Can you swim, Colonel Darlin?
1: <laughs> We're giving you the chance to cool off some of that excessive heat of yours. I will side with him, men. <laughs> <laughs> There, there is a good friend of mine, a guy named Mike Knoll, that will – in conversation, he will go, well, what do you think we should do, Colonel Darlin'? And I never knew where the hell he got that phrase yep. That's Gettysburg. until I saw this movie.
0: Hey, well, I heard – It was Gettysburg, too. Yeah. Heard-
1: is that, well, actually, in his case, he is a Civil War – that's re- entirely – so I, that's probably where he pulled it. Yeah, the little
0: round-top seems a sergeant called me Colonel Darwin. Yeah. But yeah, he was a very Darlin. Irish sergeant. All right, uh,
2: next one. Peter Blood, i make you pay for this. I must spend the rest of my life doing it. <laughs> and then the whale came, and the whale swallowed Jonah. I hope. <laughs> Goodbye, Jonah. Don't forget to write. <laughs> All right, uh, here you go, uh, Brian. You you will like this part.
1: Therefore, we do here and now band ourselves into a brotherhood of buccaneers to practice the trade of piracy on the high seas.
2: We, the hunted, will now hunt. That's when they were. Yeah, signing, that's a great line. That's a sign our constitution. All right, last line here. You must
0: be even so much in need of gold as I. Such a partnership requires sober
1: thought. My poor head has been dancing with rum this whole week past. Even so drunk, your brain is the greatest inside the Caribbean. With your brain and my strength, there is nothing we cannot do. <laughs> Sounds like our podcast. Yeah,
2: I was, I was going to say. <laughs> oh,
0: who's got the brain?
1: That, well, there's, well, the, well, that's the, up for yeah, discussion. Actually, that's, actually, you do, Ken, because
2: when
0: it comes to the drink, I, you know. <laughs> well, my, my just like just
2: like uh, Captain Blood, my my brain is besotted with rum. Oh gosh! <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. That is it with the clips, and now we are moving on to the. Well, let's see. Ken, do you have the top ten movies of
0: 1935?
2: I actually do. Holy I go way
0: back and. Uh, Obviously, in 1935, you would think that we wouldn't have heard any of these movies, but actually, you'd be wrong. Uh, I
1: did did this last week in lieu of this. So, yeah, it's interesting. Go ahead, please. I'm
0: sorry. Yeah, uh, a lot of them are – well, back in the early days of Hollywood, they drew very heavily on classics, uh, classic operas and novels and fables. So here goes uh, at number 10. We had a movie called Naughty Marietta. Uh, it's based on an operetta. Uh, stars Jeanette McDonald. She's a princess who flees an arranged marriage.
1: Uh, I think she was a redhead too, by the way, just for the record.
0: Yeah, well, she was. She was a big, hottie. Yes, she was. Actress back in these days. At number nine, we had a classic, A Tale of Two Cities. This was a Ronald Coleman uh, vehicle. Ronald Coleman, very distinctive voice, very uh, articulate actor. At number eight, it was Anna Karenina with Greta Garbo. This It also had Basil Rathbone, who was in this, and also Maureen O'Sullivan went on to do a lot of work later on. And number seven, we had a musical. It was a Fred Astaire Ginger Rogers vehicle called Roberta. And I don't know how many of those dancing musicals that pair made, but they were an institution.
1: What's amazing is when you think that Fred Astaire was doing movies up until the 80s or 90s. Didn't he do a movie with Robert Houseman, something else about a ghost or something like that? Oh, yeah, like,
0: yeah. He did the uh, Towering Inferno back mm-hmm. like in the late 70s. Yeah, he was still busy. Uh Number six was our movie, Captain Blood. It was one of the top ten movies of that year. You know, a dollar stretched much farther in those days. Uh, that movie... Cleared worldwide, two point four million dollars.
1: was huge.
0: Today, two point four million dollars would cover, you know. That's what you're
1: paying the extra.
0: (laughs) Yeah. At number five, uh, another great pair of the uh, '30s china seas starring clark gable and gene harlow
1: they also i think those two together did red dust which was a movie i saw back in film class uh many many years ago oh. harlow was a hot looking blonde, as i recall out oh, of the yes marilyn she- monroe thing
0: yes she was uh at number four, we have another musical. They did lots of musicals in these days. Actually, musicals were a thing from about the 30s to maybe the what the early 60s. And then all of a sudden, they all pretty much vanished. But back well, the, and- up until the early 60s, there was a lot of musicals.
1: And I, and I wonder if the musicals weren't big because of, of coming out of the Depression, because musicals were generally kind of uplifting. And, you know, because, you know, the roots really were found, well, right from the beginning of sound. And, and maybe well, just because it's the beginning
0: of sound, Ken. Yeah, and as a spectacle. But again, I just remember that when I was a kid, they were still cranking out a lot of musicals in the early 60s and then when you get to about 1967 all of a sudden it just pretty much stopped they stopped making money people just wanted different stuff out of it Uh, I think rock and roll killed the musical but this was again Broadway Melody of 1936 Uh, it's just a bunch of music at number three another uh, movie based off of a uh, classic you know novel and this would be David Copperfield. Who was in that one? David Copperfield. It's been done a lot of times. Oh, ah, let's see.
1: Because that's been done several times.
0: Well, it was, uh, oh, shoot. nobody you know. Edna okay. May, Elizabeth Allen, Jesse Ralph.
1: You're right. Basil no
0: Rathbone. Oh, there you Like go. every other movie. Lionel Barrymore.
1: Well, that's, he was the man.
0: Elsa Lanchester.
1: Uh, I think- Actually, I, I believe it or not, I think one of the later movies that, uh, that uh, uh, Flynn did was a movie about Barrymore, uh, where he played Barrymore, I think, by the way. Could be wrong, but I think I'm right.
0: Okay. Well, when I was talking just a few minutes ago about how, uh, you know, Roberta had Fred Astaire in it, and... Uh, so he, he, you know, made money. Well, the number two movie was Top Hat. Another Cary Grant, right? Ginger Rogers movie. Oh yeah. I like a topper. Uh, yeah, yeah, not topper, toppers. Yeah. Movie, you know. and I, I think I actually saw Top Hat back when I was a kid. And again, they're all the same. To me, they're all the same. They just set up a, a reason for those two to get out on. Great big sets and dance around and listen mm-hmm. to swelling orchestras and it worked. I think I remember reading once that when uh, you know when uh, Fred Astaire first interviewed for a job, the person wrote something like "can't act but can dance a little" or something like that as his report on Fred Astaire, and well, he went on to become an institution. At number one, another movie that has been made and remade and remade, because it is a cool story. And this would be Mutiny on the Bounty. This would be the one with Charles Lawton as Captain Bly. He made a great Captain Bly. And Clark Gable as Fletcher Christian. It's been interesting to me to watch how every time they do a a mutiny on a bounty—they take a different swing at it. And the more I've learned, is that, you know, by getting older and reading and you know finding out about this, because it is an interesting story. The real hero of this is Captain Bly. That guy was yeah. a stud. Well, didn't Brando do
1: one of those? And I know uh, Mel Gibson did did one of those with I think uh, Hopkins,
0: I believe. Yeah, Brando did one in the early '60s, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mel Gibson did one back in the '80s, but yep. they all have a different take on it, a different feel. This goes to show how you can keep. I mean, you know, maybe I need, maybe I should change my ranting about Hollywood remaking movies because you know they they're remaking. I mean, I just saw the trailer again. What the movies last night? had a trailer for you know, oh, we're gonna have a new Transformers movie. It's like,
1: oh, classics, yes,
0: it's yeah. Okay, but I guess again, you know, in retrospect, Hollywood's been doing remakes over and over and over since Hollywood existed. But, but uh, I think I think, so Ken, know, I think
1: the remakes—they're not doing remakes. Did do remakes? Of course, they didn't have TV shows then, but they did remakes of classic books. Would you agree with that? At least I, like back then,
2: yeah. today
1: the we're like. I mean, We're going to do freaking Gilligan's Island again sometime. No shit. We're going to do a goddamn Gilligan's Island movie soon. Yeah.
0: I've got an interesting list here. Not just the top 10 movies, but the top 10 money earners of 1935. And if you'll humor me a second, I'd like to rip through that real fast. It'll bring back some memories. At number 10, Jimmy Cagney. At number 9, Joe E. Brown. He was a comic actor. At number eight, Wallace Beery,
1: who was Noah Beery's dad, dad or uncle. I think he was his yes. Noah Bear, from the Rockford Files, by the
0: way. yeah Noah you're exactly right. And he also played Long John Silver in that um, Treasure so Noah Island. Berry,
1: Noah Noah Beery did uh, Grand Hotel, or Wallace Beery did Grand Hotel, which is considered a classic.
0: He was a bunch. Uh, someone you just mentioned.
1: The Dick champion. Powell.
0: He won an Oscar for the champion, I think, by the way. Yes. Dick Powell was at number seven. Mm-hmm. Claudette Colbert at number six.
1: Oh, Colbert is the French taller.
0: Yeah, Colbert. Joan Crawford was at number five.
1: He lives down by the river.
0: Brother Astaire and band. Ginger Rogers together at number four. Clark Gable at number three. Will Rogers at number two. Will Rogers was a old... Cowboy doctor, comedian. Cowboy hear? comedian. And I think he was... I think his thing was... It wasn't that he had any one movie that was big. He just did a lot of them that were very bankable and successful. I mean, he yeah, would do was his- an era where... The th- the studio system was in play. This was a high point of the studio system, and they just needed to fill their theater. So every week they had to have a new product, a new oh, double and, feature. And I think
1: part of his gig was he would do kind of a sly comedic routine with a lasso while he was doing a lasso. I think he died in a plane crash, actually, you know, up in Alaska or some
0: stuff I, I, like that. I think you're right. And number one. Someone who was just breaking into the movies, but had a big splash in 1935, Shirley Temple.
1: Who passed, what, three, four years ago? Yeah. And was a diplomat for Ronald Reagan, as I recall.
0: Yes. No, I I have a slight, it was a little family Shirley Temple connection, but this was back in the 80s when she was like, you know, a diplomat for Reagan administration. My cousin worked for IBM, and she was on a layover in uh, an airport somewhere, and Shirley Temple had put out her biography. And so my, my cousin was a big fan, and so she was sitting there in the airport reading the book, and also, of a she heard this voice behind her saying, look, honey, that girl over there has my book. And it was Shirley Temple, and she came over and took pictures with my cousin and everything else, but she was so happy to see somebody was reading her biography. So but that was nineteen thirty-five. Again, a classic age, the you know Hollywood Golden Era, uh, an interesting period. So I'll be and quiet it, now and we'll move it, on.
1: And just seven or eight years past having silent films, which is interesting, I think. Yes,
0: yeah. Yes. Yeah. They had just gotten into the sound era. But they were putting out, I mean, you heard that list of movies. There's a lot of those movies that are well-known today, well-regarded
2: to this day. All right. Let's let's uh, let's move on now to uh, the Man Cave movie review checklist of this great and fantastic film. Let's see. Number one. Did anyone jump out of a window? I don't think so. Yeah. No. No. No one, Lots no. of
1: things were broken during the course of the movie.
2: All right. Yeah, but see. I don't think anybody went out a window. No, I agree. All right, number two. If you want him, come and claim him. Uh, could the? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Was there a irrelevant female role in the movie? No. You know,
1: I mean, she was totally relevant. And you know what? There weren't many women other than the maid, the vinegary virgin, <laughs> yeah. uh, for uh Flynn or Peter Blood. Yeah. Um uh, There weren't a lot of women in this movie.
2: No, there were not. All right, let's see. Next. Son of a bitch must pay. Was there a son of a bitch in this movie, and did he pay? Oh, there's a couple of them.
1: You know what, though? Frickin' what's his name? Lyle Latwood didn't pay shit. He he, he owed a debt of blood.
0: Well, the uh, Spanish conquistador raiding guy paid... He lost his ship.
1: Yeah, even Lavoisier,
0: Seriously, he wasn't that terrible.
1: He only kind of blew a gasket at the end, and he paid badly. But it was just like you know.
0: Well, he was sneering and arrogant, but he wasn't. Yes. Well, no. no, okay. He was a pirate, a successful pirate. By the, you know, he was sugarcoated by the movie, but he, he was truly <laughs> who he was supposed to be. He was a he was a son of a bitch.
1: Yeah. And he's French.
0: Yeah. So there, there you go. go.
2: There you go. All right. Let's see. Number four. Yeah! Was there a Wilhelm scream in this movie? Uh, I'm gonna could say. not have been
0: because Wilhelm didn't scream until the mid
2: 50s. Exactly. Nice. All
1: right. And uh, Wilhelm, as you know, did the uh, Purple People Leader song and played in Hoosiers.
2: There you go. Same guy. All right. Next. Here I go again on my own. Uh, could the female role be better played by Tony Again, Again, just for reference sake, in her prime.
1: All right. Here's what I will say. As you know, I am a fan of voluptuous brunettes. If your last name is Italian and you don't have to shave your face... <laughs> And you're voluptuous, I'm all over it. That said, I cannot think of few more attractive women than Olivia de Havlin, despite the fact she is not Italian and not voluptuous.
2: Okay. Well, there you go. All right, nice. Let's see next. Was there a montage in this movie? I think this is actually pre-montage period, too. (laughs) Actually, I'm going to make
0: a claim that their period as slaves on that plantation under the lash of the cruel overseer was kind of a montage. They, They quickly, through a lot of little choppy scenes, established... That they were just going through hell. I, and and Conan the Barbarian totally yes, I, stole I, 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 that wheel of pain from oh, this movie. Wow.
1: I I was hoping you would wow. say that because you told me that last week. That, shit. Uh, thank you, Ken, because I was gonna I was gonna make you mention that because I thought that was brilliant when you told me that the other day.
2: Again, Ken, very good point. Didn't even pick up the Conan part. Here's the other question. So they're pulling that wheel that's turning the the water the water wheel okay did coming you, out of the well did you notice the guy that's just like walking on the wheel what what is he doing is that punishment <laughs> that i gotta walk on this wheel he's not doing nothing
1: no oh, he was like an extra stone
2: i guess that wheel, was a, is it know. to make the wheel work harder it, yeah it, it, i mean basically you just put this guy on a stairmaster, is what you did okay just <laughs> i'm glad
1: you mentioned that kim because i was actually because we talked about that the other day i thought that was brilliant, Ken. You've got to say that because yeah. you're spot on.
2: <laughs> nice. All right, let's see. Last and certainly not least. And so it begins. <laughs> if Muncy was here and he was able to, I'm sure it'd have to be like some like second generation cousin of the the best boy that was on the show. Was there a B5 reference in this movie? No, I did. You know what? I didn't even look. Yeah, he had
1: to be somebody's grandson or yeah, great grandson.
2: Yeah, pretty much. I'm pretty sure by the time B five came out, the only person alive from this movie was Olivia Havlin. <laughs> yeah that that was that. Well, I will
0: say, I mean, I'm old enough that it is conceivable that my father might have then might've gone to the movie to see this when he was a kid. My, my father was born in 1930. So he would be five years old. He might've gotten taken to a theater to see this, seeing how it was a top selling movie and all. Mm. So like there's a possible, I mean, this is, this is not the ancient, ancient misty past. This is like a generation back for some of us.
1: Yeah. Well, the, 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 the amazing thing to me, Ken, is, is, is having kids. And I realize that they watch Aliens. Aliens was made like 10 or 12 years before they were born. If you talk to me about a movie that was made 10 or 12 years before I was born, you're not too freaking far from this movie.
0: No. No, you're talking for you. You're talking like some film the war from 1948 or something yeah
1: and, and that's and, and again not to divert too far but that is why I think films great films are timeless it, 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 they they you know and again you know well I actually I heard somebody refer to the other day they were talking about the road Warriors like that's an old movie right but you know but but the point is is timeless movies are timeless movies. I, I, and again the black and white color barrier i get it i, I can see we're like hey that's a freaking old movie that's a black and white other than the elephant man you know which was done in the 80s or 80 80 maybe but uh, but you know i don't know i'm done I'm, I'm i'm done i'm just but i'm just talking about it you know but i realized when my kids were born like, shit, that movie's born – that was 10 years older than my kids. And that, that's a modern movie to me. And, and and some of those movies are modern movies to them. But they see it because there are certain timeless movies.
2: All right. All right. Well, thank you, Brian. Well, there you go, folks. So that is it with the Manicade Movie Review Checklist. We are now moving on to our review of this great and fantastic film. So, you know what? I'm just going to kick it over to um, – actually, Ken – why don't you kick this off? Because I'm sure Brian will have words.
0: Okay. Uh, to begin, this movie is made in 1935. We made it really clear. This is an old movie made in the old days with old school, uh, cinematography and all. Having said that, it's got good sets. Uh i think it's pretty well written it has some compelling characters are they kind of stereotypical yes does it kind of sugarcoat history yeah uh, but i was entertained and i hadn't seen this thing forever and ever uh, i like the fact that you know errol flynn is errol flynn i mean he has an important role in cinema history and when you come to you know, the movies we like, manly action movies. Uh, this movie inspired, I think we touched on it tonight. This movie inspired a lot of other things to come later. So you can't sit there and say it's a lightweight movie. I like the, you know, as phony and fake looking as it is now, the model work in this was pretty well done because they had to, I mean, they, they didn't have CGI. They had to use models to do this, or they couldn't afford to build a fortress or a you know fleet of sailing ships, but you know they did a good job with it, and I always enjoy watching movies with good model work. It's kind of a lost cause. I mean, they don't do a lot of model work anymore, because CGI is too simple. Uh, got some good sneering villains, some swashbuckling heroes, a Gorgeous damsel in distress. And it's got a good smattering of history and, you know, taking you back to the period as well. So with all that, given the point that uh, a six is right in the middle, I'm going to give this a seven. I was fairly pleased by it. I'm not going to say I loved it. Uh, in a way, it's it's it's, it's sort of a... I, eh, the the age of it, I I can't get all excited about it because it is an older movie, and so much is based and derivative from it. So I'll give it a seven.
2: I'm I'm going to close it out and just basically say I I I really enjoyed this. I'm going to give it an eight. I'm going to give it a little bit higher than uh, than can mainly because I mean I love well first of all I love this era of movies. Okay, I just there there's something about the thirties and the forties. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I was reincarnated. Maybe I was born back then. There's something about that period that I just adore. I adore the fashion. I love the look. Um, I, I have always, as a kid, been fascinated with movies from this era. I actually thought, you know, when you watch it, it's, it's not, it's not tongue in cheek. It's not trying to be like funny, funny, it's it's meant to be a very serious movie, and it's it's done in a very serious manner. And one thing that um, Ken brought up that I did want to mention is, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of the scenes that you see where the you know the ships on the water are very well done, and they talk about they you know they pull clips from like silent movies and that, but it's done so well that you really don't notice it. And you know, and for the period that it was done. And we talked about this. I mean, you know, four years earlier, five years earlier, they were doing, they were still doing silent movies. I mean, this is, you got to remember when this movie was made, everything that went into it. it, It's, it's extremely well done. I highly recommend this movie. I'm going to give it a little bit higher. I think um, it's an eight. It's a, it's a solid well done movie in terms of the plot, the actors, especially when you consider that uh, you know your two main your two main actors, Errol Flynn and Olivia um, Haviland. I mean, they're they're brand new. This is their basically this is like one of their first feature films, and they are fantastic. They're spot on. I can't recommend it enough. So for me, it's an eight.
1: I I think you have to look at every movie historically. I mean there are very few movies that were ever made that that supersede their period at least as regard technology and some of the other things you know actually the, the movie that stands out to me is is a movie that was made 50 years ago that you could make today and it holds up as 2001
2: yes yes
1: you, you can see that movie and it's like well this movie was just made today but the, that, that's a rare, rare, rare thing. And part of that just has to do with freaking Kubrick was insane. And he was a photographer uh, by his training. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I think I have to look the, at this movie in the context of its importance to Hollywood film. Not, not what the movie would be today, although I, I even do think – I think if you put this movie in color – it's, it's damn respectable. I mean, if you put this movie in color, it holds up, I think it holds up pretty good to, to today's CGI, frankly. But going back, I don't think you can ignore how important this movie was on, on a series of levels. It was an early Michael Curtis movie. It is one of the greatest pirate movies ever made. It is a movie that has influenced movie making to this day. And you have got Flynn, who was at his start. You have got De Havilland, who was at her start. In in, in historic, in historic relevance, relevance Excuse me. I'm, you know, apparently I've been drinking too much yoni. <laughs> but uh, but I, honestly, I'm going to give it a ten, guys. I really am because wow. I think it's that important. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not comparing it to movies today. I'm comparing it to the history of movies. And so that's where I'm at.
2: And you know what, Brian? I I, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah when you're gonna when you're gonna compare it for when it was made and for that time, and you know the technology and what they had at that point um, when they were making movies. You know what? You're absolutely right. Um, I mean, I'm gonna stick with my eight, but I I totally understand where you're coming from with that rating, and it makes perfect so, sense. Uh, same here. Same yeah. here. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. So
1: all right. I could go to my Joe Bob Briggs rating, but you know, I won't do that. So
2: (laughs) well we'll we'll pass on that one for now. It'd be about
1: two. It'd be a two on that rating because there were just not not enough exposed female breasts, but hey.
2: No. Well, you were gonna get that in the thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, maybe a little bit in the seventies during certain shows. But uh, anyway. All right, well there you go, folks. That is uh that is a review of this great and fantastic film that we have been talking about. Um and this is, uh, God, what do we close now? Episode 231, I think I believed uh, when I mentioned.
1: <laughs> well, I is that Count Muttsy's movie that's not been posted yet?
0: Not yet. <laughs> it hasn't <He's>, been posted.
2: <laughs> he's still working on Until it's on posted, it's not live. Yeah, it's not live. So, how, how,
0: it, many, how many shows
2: have we thought
0: we recorded and
2: never got? <laughs> uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's not that many. I think.
1: Three? Maybe, three?
2: Maybe three or four. I don't even think I even ever hit the five mark where we did a show and somehow the pooch got screwed and the show didn't go up. I mean, I, well, the,
1: the, the three of us did Star Trek originally before you and I did it.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I take that back. Actually, we may be at the five mark. I think Mark and I actually did. Uh, what the hell was a freaking Mel Gibson movie with the. Uh, Get the gringo. I think him and I, I think we actually tried to do that show about three times. I think the third yeah, time was a charm and we got it up there. Actually. Great, great movie. Great movie. Go see that uh, or go listen to that episode. I don't know what it is. I don't have the Beecham files up, so I can't tell you what episode, but uh, go on our uh, webpage or on the Facebook page and look for it. It's a great show. So anyway, uh, enough of that. All right, so there you go, folks. That is it with the uh, the review of this great and fantastic film of Captain Blood. Uh, so uh, look for us on our Facebook page at Man Cave Movie Review. And you could also look for us on Twitter. But we will be back for more shows. Because summer is over and winter is coming. So we're going to be all... Closed up in our homes, except
1: for Friday night football for me.
2: What? Right what, what? Okay, let's back up. What Friday night football do you have to go to? Aren't your kids school. done with school? I, aren't your kids like having kids now? Are their kids in football the, 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 already?
1: Well, actually, my oldest may have some I don't know about, but. Oh, uh,
2: <laughs> but. I just love high school football, man. Oh, God. All right. Well, there you go. So, the Reverend may be here. We may be doing this show on a different day. So, there you go. That is it with the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 231. Folks, uh, stick with us. We are back. We will be doing more shows. Uh, it's been the summer. It's been tough. Schedules are a pain in the ass right now. But we will be back. So, that's it. I'm your host, Steve Michael, signing off with my very good and dear friend, Kat. Baccalaureate Regalis Rex Roni, and that is Latin, not French.
0: If I had a hat, big floppy hat with a big ostrich feather in it, I would doff it and mince and flounce in your direction. (laughs) But I don't.
2: Nice. All right. And last and certainly not least is our other very good dear friend, the Reverend Deuteronomy Skaggs.
1: You know, Steve, we're, we're men without a country. Outlaws in her own land, and homeless men. They're particularly be after actually talking about Yoni tonight. After Sheila finds out, <laughs> uh, and outcasts in any other.
0: Well, hey, you'll go. be an outcast one way or the other.
1: Dude, I'm always an outcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you should be, yeah.
1: Well, there you go, folks. God, God, God is the eternal judge on these things. That makes it in,
0: yeah. Like, like John Houseman put it so well: "When it comes to your being an outcast, you did it the old-fashioned way."
2: You <laughs> I, I have. Well, there you go, folks. That is it with Man Cave Movie Review, episode two hundred thirty-one. Check us out next time. Until then, ciao.